0: you're listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from
1: This is the Leaf Sky
2: Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 37, Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next 35 minutes or so. Coming up with the podcast today. And before we get there, I want to thank Mike Ross for that fine intro again. Sorry, Rossi, I almost stiffed you there, but, but obviously I did not. <laughs> Coming up on the podcast today, Bill Waters, former Leafs assistant general manager, and David Alter from the Hockey News. Bill with his pre-series picks and how this is going to play out, and David Alter also pre-series picks, but we're going to play yes guy, no guy with him. He's also going to go over the last couple of days in terms of practice and what people were saying. So sort of a, uh, an update from David Alter and what the Leafs have been up to and where they're headed. Before we get there, it's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day at basketball's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. Did I say that? Oh, yes, $20,000 every day. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. Oh, my. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings, as you know, is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now. Use the promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at $20,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. The promo code is THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, into the hockey story. And we pretty well know the Leafs' starting lineup for the series starter against the Habs on Thursday night. Hyman is back in. We'll play on the left side of Matthews and Marner, and that means that Nick Foligno will play on the left side of Tavares and Nylander. The third line will be Riley Nash between McKayev and Kerfoot, and then we have the old guys on the fourth line, Spezza between Simmons and Thornton. On the blue line, it's Riley and Brody, uh, Muzzin and Hall, and it looks like Sandine and Dermott on the five-six. although Bogosian is working his way back in. Don't know for sure if he plays on Thursday or not. David Alter will update his status later on. Of course, Campbell gets the start in goal. Now, we have some notes from the Montreal practices, and we know that uh, Shea Weber took part in his first full practice this week since being shut down on April 30th when the apparent left-hand injury he didn't do a bunch in his first practice. It still looks like the hand may be bothering a bit. He uh, did a lot of one-touch passes. The puck was not on his stick very long Had to car- when he had to carry it. So, I mean, obviously it's a, it, the hand is in ginger shape right now, but that doesn't mean that it won't be ready to go for Thursday night. So regarding Weber's status to play, game one, Dominic Ducharme, the head coach, upgraded his very confident stance from Saturday to very, very confident on Tuesday. Coach Descharm also confirmed that rookies Caulfield and Romanoff, as well as the 20-year-old Kotkaniemi, will not start the series but said he expects to take advantage of the roster's depth if he doesn't see immediate results from the projected lineup that will start the series. So he has an open mind here. Here's how they're going to start the series. the Deneau between Gallagher and Tatar, and, and these guys will be all over the Matthews line. Suzuki will center Armia and Toffoli. Stall between Anderson and Perry. And the fourth line is Evans, Letkin and Byron. On the blue line, the way it stacks right now, subject to change, of course. Edmondson and Petrie. Kulak and Sherratt and Merrill and Weber. And, of course, Kerry Price will get the start in goal. Now, the Carey Price situation tracks like this. He played 40 minutes for Laval against the Marlies on Monday. He was supposed to play 30 but asked to uh, go through a penalty kill situation. So he got in. He allowed two goals on the first four shots and at the end of his performance it stopped 13 to 15 and was said to be happy about uh, his performance in terms of getting back in he'd been out for quite some time with a concussion problem so looks like he's going to start Gallagher also played in that game and he's listed as I said earlier with Dano and Tatar on the top line for the Habs so the only question and it's really a small one at this point would be Shea Weber and if that hand is okay I'm sure they have a way to make sure that he plays and I wouldn't count him out of anything and he's a big factor certainly net front against the Leafs and he has that aura where he creates his own space so that's what I can tell you about where the Leafs and Habs are going into this let's get our first bit of analysis now from Bill Waters the former Leafs assistant general manager
3: Montreal and Toronto starts Thursday night. Uh, just your sort of thoughts on the series and overview.
1: What do you think is going to happen here? Well, I think in fairness to both sides uh, and the fans of both, uh, the Leafs are the better team. Uh, they've proven that during the season. So my conclusion and the easiest way to say it, I think, Jim, is there's only one team that can beat the Leafs, and that's themselves. Uh, I, I think that's a fair appraisal of the situation. And, and then, as you delve into it more deeply, you you, you see the ominous form of the goalie, Kerry Price. And if he comes and plays the way he can, then you have to you have to mix it a little differently. But I, I just think the Leafs are, are a better team than the Canadians, and. Uh, notwithstanding all of the Canadians' magic in playoffs, and the most recent was against Pittsburgh last year in the bubble, Uh, I I, I think the Leafs are the masters of their own destiny.
3: Yep, I I would agree with that. The way I've uh, sort of come to it, Bill, is uh, I think, um, how am I going to say this, close games, not a close series, which is kind of a, a weird way to describe it because if the games are close, Uh, The series might be, but I I think the Leafs would win in five, but I think each one of those games would be a struggle. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, most of them are with, you know, they're, they're two, one games going into the third or uh, your points well made. So I I think close games, but the Leafs have shown that they can play well in close games, particularly against the Canadians, uh, against the Oilers. They've, uh, they've hung in and uh, done what they have to do to protect the lead. So I, uh, I don't think there's anything – getting Gallagher back is going to be an asset to the Canadians. I don't know how much, depending on the injury and how he feels, but he's kind of the spark of their offense. So that'll that'll give them a better opportunity to match goal for goal with the Leafs. And I, I don't think it'll ever be a shootout. I mean, it's going to be, as you've described, very close, and the better team shall win.
3: Yeah, Gallagher's going to be a big factor. Deneau, uh coming off a concussion. Uh, Price uh, played Monday against the Marlies for the Abs Farm team and played 40 minutes, topped uh, 13 of 15. So he's almost like a week behind Freddie. It, it, you know, you, you defer to him because he's such a, a great goaltender, and you have to respect that. Uh, so I would just count on him being there. And uh, I don't know much about Weber, but I would expect that if he could play, he's going to be there. So, I mean, these these were significant losses, to their roster. However, having said that, the Leafs are, I just described them as a machine. They should be able to fight through all of that.
1: I agree. And the one thing that the Canadians can do that they did against Pittsburgh last year, and uh, it was very impressive, their big physical defense really, really put the pressure on the Penguins in the offensive zone. And they're they're going to be faced with a formidable foe, and the Maple Leafs, because you're going to be busy all night putting pressure on the number of players that they can throw at you in the offensive zone. But those are the areas in which the Canadians can and probably will excel. I still don't think it'll be enough to beat a team like the Leafs, who have uh, played very well in being first overall. They've had their moments of, uh, of uh, setback that uh, were inexplicable, uh, hopefully, uh, part of that is maturity, and as they go through that, they'll be better for it as they enter uh, the most important playoff round of their recent history.
3: But that that pressure thing—I mean, that's that's how you play in the playoffs, especially when you go up against a team like the Leafs. You just you want to stop them before they get going. So that and and it's fairly successful in the playoffs. So I mean, that that keeps the score tight right there, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, and and you look at it. Uh, Matthews was on a streak there for scoring goals early and first. I mean, if if that happens, the Leafs are are capable of of playing that shutdown game. I mean, if they get one on you, they're going to press you into another mistake. That's what they hope to do. The longer the Canadians can keep it at zero and or get a goal, the the, the more aspects of the Leaf game will have to be shown. And I think the Leafs will show a control that they haven't before because they've got to be pretty well convinced by their coaching staff that if they do this right, they should be able to win. And that that takes the panic out of your game. That doesn't You don't go uh, pressing after one. Uh, you get a goal to tie it, and then it's a new ball game. So I'm looking forward to what you've described, Jim, a very close uh, result-type series with the Leafs winning four of the results. And uh, I don't know if it'll take seven or six. It may only take five.
3: Uh, Let's talk about the Leafs' lineup. So, they're pretty well all healthy for the first time in a while. Hyman's playing with Matthews and Marner. Polino with Tavares and Nylander. Kerfoot with Riley Nash and Micaiah. Thornton, Spetsa, and Simmons is the fourth line, which means Galchenyuk, Enval, Brooks, and Malgan are out. Malgan was uh, never really in, but uh, the other three were were regulars. Uh, Are you surprised that Galchenyuk is out?
1: Yeah, I didn't... Well, he's had a long chance. To, uh, yes, I am surprised. I am okay. surprised. Yeah, I, but you know what? He, that's that's what they pay the coach for, and he's evaluated, and he's he's got uh, uh, Fellini on the left wing, and he wants him to start uh, exerting some influence because he will. He'll uh, he'll play any game you want, and I think he'll be a big part of all of their playoff series, how many there are, and I don't see that in Galchenyuk.
3: Yeah, I mean he's a he's a good feisty player in that he's got good puck pursuit, but he's not Felino or Hyman. I, I guess I was I thought maybe, Belchenyuk uh, you know, would stay where he was, and maybe Hyman would be on the third line, but that was without Nash, and they they put Nash in, so Nash is a, a very nice ad and, and an interesting time to make a Leaf debut, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is, and and uh, Riley Nash is is a very solid defensive player. I think uh, he'll. Once he gets out there and starts doing what he does, he's extraordinary on face-offs. He's a very strong forechecker. He is responsible in his own zone. He's the ideal guy for the position they've got him in, and I think he's going to make the Leafs a better team. And if you flip that decision as to Galchenyuk or Riley Nash, I take Nash.
3: Yeah. Well, and the other good news is, I mean, they've got three guys sitting there, Galchenyuk, Engvall, and Brooks. Who have achieved yeah. quite a bit during the regular season, you wouldn't be uh, hard pressed to put any of those three guys in there. And, and hopefully, it's just one that you have to do. But I mean, they've got good depth that way. So let's go to the blue line where there's not much change: uh, Riley, Brody, Musin, Hall, and then it's Sandine and Dermot. With Bogosian not quite ready, but but will appear at some point. And uh, Sandine's real role, I think, is on the number one power play unit. How about you?
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, he make that he makes that power play look. So much more um, uh, not predictable, but at least responsible. I mean, uh, when you go as many, I don't know what the, the count is now. Oh, it was yeah. brutal. Yeah, it's a, it's a long sample and, size. And that that that'll hurt you in the playoffs, Jim. I mean, if you don't have your special teams, look at Pittsburgh. Uh, they had uh, a couple of power play goals scored against, some bad ones, mind you. But uh, then the Florida Tampa series. Uh, Tampa gets two two power plays and a shorty. That's a three goal spread. Yeah. You can't let that happen. And if the Leafs aren't going to score any power play goals, they're they're going to they're going to run into trouble. I think I think they will. Be. I, I don't even know what the cause of it is. I said to you a few da a few shows ago that penalty killing and power play are coaches responsibilities, and you look to the coach or the responsible coach, and say, well, why why isn't it working? There should be an answer, and I don't know what it is with the Leaf power play. I, I All I know is that the Leaf power play is more imaginative with Sandin in there than it is with Morgan Riley. Morgan right. Riley has really slept, and I don't know whether there's an injury involved or uh, something that uh, can't be revealed, but uh, he, he's just not the player that he was before, and Uh, consequently the Leaf power play has not been as productive as it once was.
3: Well, and the the place that you notice it the most is on the power play. And then I'm talking about bringing the puck up the ice where Morgan Riley will almost turn sideways and look back for the drop pass, which is you might as well put a billboard up there and say, we we don't know what we're doing. And and with Sandine you don't, you don't see that. So I just, I don't understand. You know, I have a lot of respect for Morgan Riley. We all do, but, but that, that visual looks awful.
1: Yes, it, and, it, and it's obvious that there's something, because Morgan Riley has got all the tools. Uh, I don't know whether he let the toolbox fall, and they're scattered all over the uh, dressing room floor. But Morgan Riley should be playing a lot better than he has, and the Leafs are going to have a major decision to make with him. Uh, are they going to go into the $7 million category from the present five or six or are they going to let him go? Are they going to try and trade him with a year left? And that's a terrible way to go into the playoffs. But I would say that the Leafs are saying to themselves, as you and I are commiserating about their power play, that, hey, we've got to get the power play going if we're going to go deep. I mean, we might win the first round, but if we don't have a power play to combat the offense that the Edmonton Oilers will throw at us, we're going to be in trouble. And... I know that they feel that they have a chance on this playoff series to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal, and they haven't been there in a long time.
3: Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's the drop pass thing, and, and I know that the drop pass is effective when it's done at the right speed, but when you search for it, that, that's just an absolute no-fly zone for me, so I don't quite understand what the hesitation is there. It's The it's program played, and there's three guys back there there's there's usually two forwards and Morgan Riley he's dropping to maybe marner and and it just there just seems to be a complete disconnect,
1: yeah, and you know Sandine when he takes the puck on entry into the into the zone, you don't know whether he's going to drop it, whether he's going to make a beautiful pass to the guy coming down the middle, or whether he's going to crank it. Riley leaves you only one option. As you pointed out, Jim, he's going to drop it. And a drop pass is only as good as the element of surprise is in the defenseman covering and or the forward covering in the case of of, uh, penalty killing. But I I, I want you to take the element of uh, surprise out of it by not having any other options. It's not as useful as it could be.
3: Well, and that's the other point, like, uh, you know, I understand that that's that's what they want him to do, and I get I get the coaching part of it, but I don't see Plan B, which which is kind of an, uh, alarming because there doesn't seem to be anywhere else to go. It, when when you watch him, it's like I have to do this. There's no other option. And, well, there should be another option, right?
1: Absolutely, you shouldn't be out there. You shouldn't be the point man on the power play if you're limited to one play. I mean, that's that destroys it. You got an extra man, you got to utilize him by an intelligent pass or you got to give it to somebody on the power play who can do that. But I, uh, Riley looks like he doesn't want to do it <laughs> or he knows his heart He can't do it. And that that's, uh, that's, that's not very good.
3: Well, there is an odd look on his face. I'll give you that. And that's, that's what, uh, you know, when you, when you look at it, you go, there's just something's not right here. I don't know what it is. So let's just before we end here, let's, let's finish off on the goaltending. So Campbell gets the start and, and Freddie's the backup and, I've I've said this many times before, Freddie appears in the movie at some point, I don't know where, but you're okay with Campbell, right?
1: Yeah, well, I'm okay, yeah. I I think Campbell has earned the starting position, but uh, a lot of coaches do not defer the position of the injured player to someone else until the injured player has had a chance to play. And uh, Anderson hasn't had a chance, and that might explain it, but... No, I don't have any problem with giving uh, Soupy uh, an opportunity, just like he took at the beginning of the season. And he's proven himself to be very worthy, uh, but he has not played a playoff game in his life. So that's going to be the one thing that I thought, hey, as much as Freddie is injured in part, I would like to think from watching him play that the injury is not deferring him from being what he can be. And if the Leafs are going to win, they need Freddie Anderson type goaltending. Obviously, they think Soupy can deliver it. I'm not going to argue about it. If it was me and I was the coach, Freddie'd be in.
3: Well, then I see your point. I mean, you know, we don't know what Price is going to do, but if Price is his normal self, that's yeah. a scary premise. I mean, then you don't want a question mark in your own net.
1: No. No, and huh, it's 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 hard on on uh, Campbell to say that he's a question mark. But in comparison to his experience and his abilities, he is a question mark. If yeah. He, if he if he if he comes in and plays like Freddie does, and we're not talking about Freddie when he was injured, we're talking about the odd the odd gimme in a playoff series. But generally. Keeping the team uh, comfortably within range in the playoff series, then th- that's what we're looking for. And uh, there's no reason uh, that Campbell can't deliver that, except he's a very emotional guy. He makes a couple of bad ones. He doesn't. He doesn't have the uh, the experience to react to it, and that may be, come quickly to him. I, I I don't want to be too harsh on uh, Campbell because I'm counting on him delivering solid goaltending, just as he
2: has during the season.
3: Bill, thanks very much. Appreciate it.
2: And down the hall we go. David Alter from the Hockey News. So, David, take us through the last couple of days for the Leafs. I know today was a Tuesday was an off day, but the the two practices and, and what happened on Tuesday. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, look, they have five days between games. It's kind of strange that they didn't get this going, but because they had the luxury of time, they're able to use uh, two of those days as rest days. So that first day after that last game against the Jets, they rested. They practiced Sunday. It was more of a skills day, but they kind of put lines together and worked on power play, and they worked on a lot of special teams. Again, on Monday, it was a lot of the same. The only difference, really between Sunday and Monday's practice was that defenseman Zach Bogosian, who's been out for about a month with a shoulder injury, uh, was in a regular jersey as opposed to a non-contact red jersey on Sunday. And so based on that and by TSN's uh, Darren Dreger's reporting after Monday's practice that uh, Bogosian's got the all clear, he could be ready to return in time for game one and the Leafs will have... Uh, potentially a very full-strength, healthy lineup going into the opening game against the Montreal Canadiens. So they're just using that to their advantage just to uh, get everyone ready, conditioned. They've got the sports science doctors and everybody know how, how hard they need to exert these guys and how much rest they need to make sure that they're optimal uh, for the upcoming few weeks or months, depending on how deep the run goes.
2: Yeah, that sports science department, I mean, it is detailed, isn't it? They've got it right down to the, the last exhale pretty well.
0: Yeah, they got those catapults that are embedded in everybody's kind of uh, gear around the chest area and stuff. And if anyone's working too hard or, or biomechanically doing something that isn't right, they have had a history of, like I remember in the past, someone like Joffrey Lupel he was told, get off the ice. Because hmm. our data is telling us you're doing something that's very detrimental to your health. So... Um, so yeah, it's it's all it's all crazy how, how they can bring these down to these data points here.
2: Okay, so take us through Coach Keith's uh, presser today. What did he say?
0: Well, I mean, he was talked about a lot about uh, the the Montreal Canadians and what they can provide and and the X factor that is Carey Price, who really hasn't played but looks like he could be in there for Game One and and uh, what the Leafs kind of have to look for and. And he really kind of stressed the fact that um, he acknowledged that the Leafs had not seen the best of the Canadians in those last few weeks, even though they looked not great in those final weeks. He expects that there is a different gear that Montreal is going to present to the Toronto Maple Leafs and and, and that they're prepared for that. And I think the biggest telling thing was he was asked about uh, you know the, the playoff uh, misery of the last few years, how they're not able to get... Uh, past an opening round and, and how they are prepared differently for it. And so he pretty much came to the conclusion and said that if it's a physical game, a skills game, a run and gun, whatever it's going to be, the Leafs are better prepared for that this year than than they have been in years past. And All the other things that they've done this year have addressed it. But I, I really don't think it matters what he says. It's We're going to see it in practice on Thursday and see just what this team is really made of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is no, um, there's no coasting in a playoff game. We've already seen a number of the games that have started the playoffs. I mean, this is high intensity every shift. There, there's no, there's no, I'm going to take a minute off here. It's, it's, it's full blast. So it'll be neat to see the the, the least pushed that way, because I think, you know, the the only, uh, the, the example that I always go back to is the Edmonton series, the three games at Edmonton. And, and if you could, if you could somehow duplicate that, because that was the ultimate attention to detail, even without Austin Matthews.
0: Yeah, and he did it with three different goalies, too. It was yeah. uh, it was really strange how dominant they were, and it always seemed like whenever the Leafs ran into a stretch of games where that next opponent in the North Division was creeping up on them in the standings, they would meet them, and, and like you said, those three games against Edmonton, that was one of the opponents, and they just dominated and pushed them further down the standings. And and the Leafs were able to run with it that way Uh, from a possession uh, standpoint, the Leafs were dominant in that game. They carried the puck. They controlled the pace of play. Uh, They did all those things. They got the stellar goaltending from all three of their goaltenders and uh and they were dominant performances they weren't uh one goal games by any stretch they were like six nothing, six one and I, I don't remember what the other, four nothing I think was the other one yeah two uh, shutouts right yeah, yeah. Uh, from Hutchinson and from Campbell and, and Freddie that was that was Fredrick Randerson's last solid game in goal before he really kind of went on that slide and pulled himself out for injury so uh yeah the Leafs have, have shown with these, six different opponents that they 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 have got their number, but the playoffs are different. And if, yeah. if there's anything I think other teams can kind of learn from, it's how Ottawa played the Maple Leafs down the stretch. The way they clogged the neutral zone and uh, eliminated the Leafs' ability to carry the puck consistently into the offensive attack zone. The Senators seem to kind of have that figured out towards the end of the season that I'm very curious to see if, Montreal scout team is looking at that and, and trying to figure out if they can deploy that against the Maple Leafs.
2: Well, that's an excellent point because I think most people go back to, this is what happened in the regular season. Well, just throw that out. The the Habs know who they're playing and what, what the Leafs are capable of. So the game is don't allow them to do it. Right. Exactly.
0: And, but what the Leafs do so well, that is so counterintuitive to every other team in the NHL's instincts is, is, um, force you to be aggressive. And when you're forced to be aggressive, you can't stay back. So what the Senators did was, well, we can't really play that game against them, so let's line up four guys along the neutral zone. So when they carry the puck, they're just going to run into a wall. It kind of goes uh, against our instincts because we're kind of being conservative and playing guys back, but we're able to kind of beat them on the transition that way. And, uh, and, And that's what the Senators did pretty well. I mean, it's regular season. The Leafs didn't have a lot to play for when they when they had those games. So who knows how those things would have turned out if there was maybe more at stake. But it's something that the other opponents have not adjusted to yet. And I'm curious to see if Montreal tries it because uh, you, you have so many games against these teams that you have so much footage that you should be able to figure out some way to zag where everyone else is zigging to kind of defeat it. I think other teams have done that with the Leafs power play yes. because it's such an easy thing to do because instinctively when you're on the PK, you're, you're defensive anyway, but in five on five, you don't really do that. And the Sens decided, you know what, we're going to do that. And it worked. So yeah, I'm curious to see if if a team like Montreal goes against their instincts and just lines up along the neutral zone to kind of stop the Leafs, offensive, puck possession-carrying ways into the into the offensive
2: attack zone. So let's talk about the least power play because, to me, it's an Achilles heel. And, and you know, I don't want to go back to, to the, uh, the big sample size of, I mean, just inept power play uh, execution. But to me, the exploitable thing is, is obviously the, the exit from their own zone. That visual of Morgan Riley sort of turning to the side and looking back to see who was going to accept the drop pass – I mean, if I'm in a playoff series and my life depends on it, and I know he's going to do it, guess what? I'm going to intercept that pass, or I'm going to cause him some big trouble. I'm on him, and I'm going to force a turnover. And I mean, nobody's an idiot here. I mean, the the coaching staffs know that. Certainly, the Habs know to exploit that. So, are you confident that that's not going to happen? Yeah, I think it just depends on
0: how quick they are, and and uh, if they try something differently. And uh, at least the Leafs are trying different players. In that regard, at the practices with Hyman back, they kind of went away from their loaded power play, where maybe even a guy who was net front like William Nylander on that loaded power play, his instinct was, okay, if I get the puck and I'm circling out, I'm going to pass it to the point guy. Like, we're now, if you have enough traffic in the front, now you're just going to kind of crowd and, and and go down low, and maybe that's, that's what the Leafs need. So having Hyman in there now, and splitting up the, the big four, the offensive four, onto two different units now will will change that up a little bit in terms of going passing to the point and and figuring that part out. So I don't know. It's one of those things where the Leafs are instinctively feeling that they're played that they have to be better, not the other teams are doing better against them. Sure. So they're going to stick to something, and they're going to stick to that and go back to what they did earlier in the season and and just try to do that better before changing things fundamentally. That just seems to be a very strong-willed identity part of the Toronto Maple Leafs that, look, they haven't changed it for months when the power play wasn't clicking. It may not change that much, and maybe it's just a personnel thing.
2: Well, and, you know what I said earlier, but don't go back to the regular season. That applies to the Leafs too. I know the power play didn't look good, but but guess yeah. what? They they know the playoffs are on. They know that that an that, that empty power play will cost them. So I'm I'm sure they're gonna they've got some tweaks there. I mean, nobody's gonna sit here and let and, and watch this thing unravel. They're gonna do their best to make sure that it doesn't.
0: Well, and I mean the power play. You look, I know it's different because the officials in Canada are always the same and it's different than what's happening in the States, but if you look at a lot of the playoff games, there's been a lot of penalty calls. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. I thought there would be a lot fewer, but they seem to be calling more than I expected, and um, there's going to be a lot of rhythm disruption in this game if that happens. So, yeah. uh, point. You, know, you have someone like O'Reilly Nash coming in there that I don't think a lot of special teams is good for someone like him. He's being thrust into a prominent role as a third line center in his first game with the Maple Leafs. And uh, if there's a lot of special teams there, even though he plays the PK, it's going to be disruptive to his flow, trying to get accustomed with brand new teammates in a very important role. So, uh, I mean, if the Leafs don't click on that power play wise, then they're going to have to deal with the deficiencies of five on five as well.
2: Are you surprised that they're doing that with Riley Nash in game one? I don't
0: think they had any other choice. They couldn't activate him otherwise unless they didn't want to play Anderson for that one game. So it wow. was really a cost-benefit analysis of the salary cap, which was do we get Frederick Anderson a game in so that if we need him, if, if called upon, we can thrust him into that spot if Jack struggles? Because if Jack struggles and we didn't get Freddie any games and now he has to go in and he doesn't do well, well, that's going to look badly on us. At least that's how I would look at it. Yeah. So, so they had to do that. And by doing that, they had to put someone like Hyman on LTI. They had to leave Nash on LTI. Uh, they could have done one or the other, kept activating or switch one back and forth and uh, and get guys skaters going into games. But they didn't. Uh, so it they're going to hope that as a 32-year-old veteran, he knows what he's doing. He's been in that spot. He's been a ghost against or not a ghost, but he's been he's been uh, haunting the Maple Leafs in terms yes. of their playoff pass, both with the Boston Bruins and Columbus Blue Jackets, that they're hoping he could do the reverse to his opponents.
2: Yeah. Um one more question before we play yes guy, no guy. Bogosian, so is he taking contact in practice?
0: Well, he wore a non-contact jersey. There wasn't a lot of contact in the actual practices. Like it was a lot of you know, get into the PK power play shots and digging in the corners. There is some contact there. So, I mean, he he got out of it. He's been cleared for it. Um, At that last practice, because he didn't have the medical clearance yet, he was still on the fourth D pair, which meant he was on the outside looking in. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if come Wednesday, he's upgraded alongside Rasmus Sandin as the 5'6". Because that... Seems to be their their go to in a fully healthy lineup. So if Sandine, if Bogosian goes in, he'll be in there with Sandine as the
2: as the third pair. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all those listening on wired or wireless earbuds. Time now for the Leaf guy edition of Yes Guy No Guy. Yes Guy No Guy number one. Riley Nash will debut with a game saving or deciding performance. No guy, I
0: think probably going to be like a an uh, an offensive version of a of a um tj brody where you don't notice him and by doing that that's doing a good job so i think in his first game back he's still going to try to get a feel for things and not stick out so for that reason no guy
2: okay yes guy no guy number two carrie price will be his normal self in this entire series from start to end
0: Oh, uh, normal self being like his normal playoff self or dominant self. Dominant. No guy. I think he's mm. gonna have flashes of brilliance and I think we're gonna see some highlight reels uh, saved and he, he may steal a game or two. but um, I, I I think given what he's gone through, I think the leaks are gonna be too much for him this time, so I'm gonna go no guy.
2: Okay. Yes, guy, no guy, number three. The old guy line of Thornton, Spets and Simmons will not survive this series.
1: Um,
0: I'm going to say Ooh. yes, guy, only because I think that there's going to be some other extraneous factor. I don't think it's going to be performance-based. I think guys are going to get hurt. They're going to need some conditioning. They're going to want to sprinkle guys in or be day-to-day and Uh, I think there's going to be a situation, especially with that back-to-back, that there might be a change depending on how far the Leafs are in that series.
2: Yeah, that's next week. What's that? Monday, Tuesday, right? That's games three and four.
0: Game three and four in Montreal are back-to-back with no practice between.
2: Okay, final yes-guy, no-guy. Yes-guy, no-guy number four. Galchenyuk will work his way back into the series.
0: No-guy for the series. Yes-guy for the playoffs. And that's strictly a, that's not going to be a performance based thing. That's just going to be if one of the top six get hurt. I think you're only going to see Alex Galchenyuk play in the top six or not at all. And for that reason, I think it's a no, I I think it's a no guy in this this situation unless there's an injury.
2: On the way out, do you have a a series prediction?
0: Yeah, I I think I have the least in, I I think it's five. I may have said six somewhere else, but it's somewhere in that spot. Let's say five. Um, I think the Leafs are too dominant in every aspect. Their biggest risk is getting goalie. And just because of what the goaltending situation looks like and the experience on the other end. I think that's the biggest risk to the Leafs right now. And it's not much of a risk given every other aspect of the game.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I my, per, my prediction is Leafs in five, close games all the way through. Uh, you'll look back on it and say, oh, they won the first round easily, but they, they won't win it easily. It, it's going to be a struggle. Even in five games, the abs will give them everything they need.
0: Yeah, it'll be good. If they do go through some sort of adversity and get past it, at least they'll have that playoff experience under their belt. They've got the veterans for that, but uh, there's a lot of guys who, who need to show that they got over this opening round hump. And once that's out of the way, I think that'll be a big boost of confidence for the club going forward.
2: Last minute of play in this podcast. And there is the time warning from Mr. Mike Ross, the PA announcer for Leaf Sky, and of course, Scotiabank Arena. We hand out the Yes Guy, No Guy awards, not regular season, but looking for the playoffs. Yes Guy, No Guy, number one. First Leafs-Habs playoff game since 1975. Oh, that's a huge Yes Guy. Yes Guy, No Guy, number two. The Leafs' favorite. Oh, Yes Guy. And Yes Guy, No Guy, number three. It gets real. Enough of that regular season stuff. This is real. You get what you earn. Oh, that's an emphatic yes guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 37 of Leafs, guy. Guide. Hope you come back for episode 38 on Friday.